Hey, so welcome, ladies and gentlemen, once again to Generation Life Church. Hey, um, we have something really, really special today, and uh, we have a different way that we're going to hear the message, and I'm really excited about it. I uh, just wanted to take a moment. If you arrived before our first song, we want to welcome you today. So glad that you're with us. Um, can we just take a moment and welcome everybody who is joining us online today, if we could? Hey, um, so as many of you know, last week we had a guest speaker. He did a phenomenal job, um, preached on Psalm 91, and um, we're right at the very end of a series that we're calling Hope Alive. And so this is the final installment of Hope Alive, and if you've been here for a couple of weeks, you know that the very first message that I preached was keeping hope alive in spite of offense. You guys remember that one? And we talked about don't take the bait. And it was in that message I identified three ways that the enemy, the devil, Satan, the accuser of the brethren, your, your opposition, we identified three ways that he tries to erode hope in our lives. And it's by creating confusion in three areas. And that is in our eternity. That says what? What does eternity say? Where am I Going, okay, all right, great. Uh, how about this one? In our identity that says who, okay, there we go. There's my note takers. And then I said in our purpose that says what am I here for? And so today we wanted to solidify those three areas. If we could be certain in those three areas of our eternity that says because Christ died on the cross, I know where I'm going when I pass from this life to the next. If we can have our identity solidified that says, I know who I am in Christ Jesus. Before I'm, 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 I'm a Democrat or a Republican or any of that stuff, I'm a believer in Christ Jesus. I'm a child of God. When we receive Christ, we become part of the family of God. And then in our purpose that says, man, what am I here for? And so we're going to communicate this message in a special way. So this Sunday is really cool because we are establishing something that we'll probably do every so often. And the style service that we're going to do, I have titled it Preach. Somebody say Preach. So uh, how many of you come out of the old school church? How many come out of a good spirit-filled church? I mean, you come in, you walk. I don't care how you came in. When you leave, you're like, man, I got a pep in my step, you know? Um, when those kinds of churches, that's the kind of church I'm from, as you could probably tell. I'm trying to keep it cool right now. But uh, So in those kinds of churches, when we're preaching good, somebody will holler out, preach. Or I've had them uh, before say, uh, I was in South Florida. The brother said, preach on, doc. I was like, okay. I think I've told you before, a uh, brother from Jersey um, came down and he said, uh, shake that tree, right? I was like, okay. I don't know what that meant, but I think it was, you know, it, he was feeling the message, so that's great. Um, so those are some kinds of things that we say when someone's preaching, but the most popular, if you Google it, the most popular encouragement that the crowd, what we call talkback churches, what they give is somebody will say, preach, say that, preach on. And so that's what we're titling this one, preach. And so instead of me just preaching to you today, I've actually got four communicators that are going to be, oh, five communicators. I got four chairs, but I've got five communicators that are going to be encouraging you guys today. And I've asked them along the lines of purpose, I've asked them to answer a question. And that is this, what is your why? Look at somebody and say, what is your why? What, what is your why? I've asked them to frame their five to seven minute talk uh, based upon that. What is your why? What, what, is, what, what gets you going? What, what is the reason why you pursue Jesus? Was it a, what, was it, is it a scripture that motivates you? Is it somebody that was in your life that, that caused you to want to go after Jesus with all of your heart? Was it an experience that you had that caused you to not just, just talk the talk, but to walk the walk? Amen? What is your why? And so this morning, 
I want you guys to be asking yourselves that question, and I'm going to introduce our very first communicator, and this is the way the flow of the service is going to go. Um, our first communicator is going to come and share, and then right after that, the next person is going to come and share until we've gone through all five communicators. Now, this is a favor I'm going to ask of you. I'm like, man, we just got here. This is my first time here. This guy's already asking for a favor. We'll pay it back to you. Yes, that's what I want right there, Catherine. Thank you. How much was that? Let me give you $20 for that. Amen. So I want to encourage this crew right here. All right. I want them to be able to say, you know what? I want to go back to GLC and preach again because I know that I was so encouraged by the crowd, the community, by the family when I came and I preached. So Without any further ado, I want to bring up our first speaker. She is one of our Gen Life student point people, woman of God. Ladies and gentlemen, can you show your love for Miss Tanya Majette, everybody? Good morning, church. My name is Tanya, and I'm going to share my why story with you. Before I share the story, I want to share a story that I experienced nine years prior to accepting Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I'm going to be in Psalm 107. So if you have your Bibles or your YouVersion Bible app, you can just stay on Psalm 107, and that's where I'll be. On the screen, you'll see Psalm 107, verse 2. I'm in the English Standard Version, and I believe NIV is on our screen. Psalm 107, 2 says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. So I consider myself a person who has been redeemed from the Lord, and now I'm going to say so. So nine years prior, before I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I was a 19-year-old college student. I had one of those stereotypical fun college nights where I got ready to go out and then don't quite remember going out. I woke up in a hospital bed with a doctor hovered over me who said with a big smile, hi princess. I don't remember what else he said before I left the hospital, but I remember those first two words he had said to me when I woke up from a sin-stained stupor. I remember him not judging me and being kind to me as well. I'm sure it wasn't his first rodeo as an ER doctor, treating a young and dumb college kid for alcohol poisoning. So, remember how I said this happened nearly a decade prior to me accepting Jesus Christ? This is where my why comes in. Psalm 107 verses four through six tells us, some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty. Their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress, which is exactly what God did for me nine years later. I'm sure it was, so, sorry. After continuing down a cycle of self-destructive behavior, which was the external display out of a lot of internal pain, God led me to a sweet friend and coworker at the time. Her name was Sarah. I realized that the way I was behaving was from internal pain. We often see people are angry or under stress. Maybe they're flat out acting crazy and we can't understand why. It's from some type of inside, some type of invisible pain suffering that we can't see, but God sees it. He led me to my friend Sarah who was one of those people whose light just shines with her presence. She was annoyingly optimistic. But God knew my annoyingly cynical self needed a friendship like hers in my life. Because she was so sweet, I accepted her invitation to church. My first thought when I attended was, this is weird. People were throwing their hands up in worship, swaying around. I thought it was a cult until I heard the message, which reminded me how growing up Catholic, my favorite part of mass was the homily. This is when God's word is spoken by the priest. So I kept going, not for the people, not for Sarah, 
not for the worship songs, but to hear God's word. Pastor Brad Mullenix in Amherst, Virginia, spoke messages of God's love and how this love has no bounds for those he calls his. Psalm 107 verse 9 tells us, For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. I didn't realize at age 19, or many years after that, that my soul was hungry. My soul was hungry for God's love. I, so I heard nine years after that crazy college night and many more to follow is when I learned that I truly am a princess, the way that doctor hovered over me and screamed over me, <laughs> and screamed over me to wake me up from my sin-stained stupor. I'm not a princess because of anything I've accomplished or how I look or where I'm from, but simply and solely because I am his. Earthly wisdom says you can't help anybody who doesn't want to help themselves. Partially true, which is what earthly wisdom is. Earthly wisdom gives us something that sounds really good and in certain cases is partially true, but it is not eternally true. Eternal truth which is God's, God's wisdom says, I can help anyone under any circumstance, period. Psalm 107, verses 17 to 20 says, some were fools through their sinful ways and because of their inequities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food and they drew near to the gates of death. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Noticed how in 18 it says, they loathed, referring to the fools, which I was, and any kind of food, meaning wisdom, and they drew near to the gates of death, which is sin. Then they cried to the Lord in the trouble, and he delivered them. It doesn't say, then they picked themselves up by their bootstraps and got an education and figured it out, and then God healed them. It doesn't say that. All it says is they cried. They cried to the Lord. That's all they had to do was reach out that hand and cry to the Lord and say, help me. I'm in trouble. I need deliverance. I can't do this on my own. I can't pull myself up by my, by my bootstraps. So for anyone today, if you're feeling like you're too far gone, or have strayed too deeply, I want to tell you that you are a princess. You are a prince of the King of Kings. Even if you woke up this morning with pieces of Saturday night on your breath, he loves you and calls you princess and prince in that state. He looks at you just like that and says, hey princess, what are you doing? Come back over here, I love you. He doesn't see your sin, he sees himself because you are an extension of him. He's not shocked by your mess, just like that doctor was not shocked at all that he had a 19-year-old kid in his ER bed. You will not be his first or last rodeo with dealing with your sin, just like I wasn't, that doctor's. Jesus demands that we lay our sin at his feet and follow him so we can be the Proverbs 31 women and Ephesians 5 men that he calls us to be. And... While we're on the topic of redemption, as Pastor Keith said, I am a volunteer at Generation Life Students. This ministry serves our 6th to 12th graders. Um, we have it tonight from 5 to 6.30 at Cedar Grove Community Center. So if you are from 6th to 12th grade, which I see a few of you over here, if you, if you are in that range and, and you would like um, to have some free food and some fun games and a little bit of ministry, please join us. Sunday today, Cedar Grove Community Center, 5 to 6.30. And for those of you who are much older than teenagers, like myself, if you have a redemption story like mine, please be prayerful and considering to volunteer with this ministry. We have an awesome group of kids and a building awesome group of, of volunteers. I serve alongside my husband, Larry. <laughs> Give it up for Larry. <laughs> and I also want to add, if it has been on your heart, and as adults, we have these things that press on our hearts. We say, man, I'm, I'm really feeling strong about this, or I really want to do this. Act on it. 
that is an opportunity. So if you have been telling yourself, I really have a heart to reach out to these teens, we just had a couple murdered in Raleigh by another teenager and some right here in our community who went through the same thing less than a month ago. Our kids need us and God needs us to be there for them. He commissions us to do his work, which is why he's, this is why he redeems us. He has redeemed me so that I can help be a vessel to help other people along in their redemption story. It may not be forever. It just may be through that one season, sixth grade, 12th grade, whatever, whatever it may be. But he calls us to plant seeds. For some of you, teenagers may not be your ministry. And if it is not, please do not come. <laughs> but if you know teenagers are your people and you work well with teenagers and you have a heart for them, please come and at least start by praying if this is where God is calling you in this season to serve. We'd love to have you. This is my why, and I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, you're God's why. You're God's why. We are all his why. The reason why he laid his son on the cross was not for him. He was perfect. He didn't need to do it for himself. He did it for us because we were in distress and in trouble, and there was no other way we could pull ourselves out of that without Jesus. You are his why, and so am I. Thank you. Good morning. How's everybody doing? All right, let me open this up. If we haven't met yet, my name is Molly Stillman, and I have uh, the honor of serving on uh, a, quite a few teams here at Gen Life Church, and uh, this is my why. Uh, my scripture today is going to come from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, and it says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. So if you know me at all, you know that this is kind of the verse that I have dubbed as my life verse. If you've ever been behind me uh, when I'm on the road, my van license plate is 1 Peter 4.10. It is in my email signature. It's in my social media profiles. It's on jewelry I wear. It is in hanging up in my office. It is a verse of scripture that literally guides everything I do. And it is short, shortly after I got saved 12 years ago, it became this foundation for why I get up in the morning. But why? It's not just an inspiring verse that looks nice uh, printed on a canvas. There's something a whole lot deeper than that. So if you were here uh, all the way back in March when I had the opportunity to preach, hey, this is the uh, plug for the podcast. You can go back and listen to the podcast. Um, I shared a good bit of my testimony then. So I'm gonna, if you weren't here, I'm going to catch you up for like the next 45 minutes or so. Um, I'm joking. Um, but the gist of it is, is that I did not grow up in church. I knew about God, but I did not know God. For the first 25 years of my life, I sat in the front row of a proverbial roller coaster of fear, everything is awesome, striving, everything is great, grief, everything is amazing, suffering, joy, anxiety, and depression. Everything in my life felt temporary and fleeting. And yes, it is true that our lives are fleeting, but we know as Christians that it doesn't end there. Amen? And at the time, my gaze was fixed inward instead of heavenward. And the choices I were making were in my best interest, in the name of living my truth, and in the name of my glory and success. I knew what I was good at. I knew that I was given certain gifts, but the concept of using those gifts for a bigger purpose felt foreign to me. And early on in my walk with the Lord, I read 1 Peter 4.10, and it immediately struck a chord with me. And there is a depth and a richness to this verse that continues to amaze me. And no matter how much I read it or recite it, it still blows me away. And the verse has actually evolved to take on more meaning for me as the years have gone by. So I want to break it down for you. We, that means you Larry and Catherine and Lester, all of us, 
we have been given a gift. We have received a gift or multiple gifts. Like y'all know the Tony Evans family. Like I feel like God spent a little bit of extra time on the Tony Evans family. So they got multiple gifts, okay? So we have all received gifts from our heavenly father, whether you are aware of it or not. And there's actually varying schools of thought on this particular verse as to whether or not it is referring to uh, specifically to spiritual gifts, such as like serving, teaching, exhortation, leadership, mercy, healing, versus more general giftings and talents. But the more that I have sat with this verse, the more I've studied this verse in the larger context of scripture, I have come to the conclusion, I believe that that mindset only puts a limit on God and our God is limitless, amen? Our God is a generous God, and the gifts that he gives us are not meant to be put in a box or category. James 1.17 that says that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Not some gifts, but every gift. So the verse then goes on to say that each of us are to be stewards of the gift that we have received. So what exactly is a steward? Simply put, a steward is someone who temporarily possesses and is entrusted with what someone else actually owns. And they have to give an account for what they do with it during that time. The possessor, the person who owns it, looks at what he owns and he says, what do I want to do with this? While a steward looks at what they have and says, what does the master want me to do with this? So the master, our heavenly father, wants us using our gifts that he's given us to serve others. We aren't given these gifts so that we can hoard them for ourselves or use them to build ourselves up and build our lowercase k kingdoms. They are to be stewarded in service of others. And that this stewardship of those gifts is actually a stewardship of God's grace. And what's even more incredible is the word for the gifts in this verse. The word for gifts in this verse in the original Greek is the word charisma. And have you, any of y'all, I've been looking for an opportunity to, to say this for a long time. Have y'all ever watched that movie, um, My Big Fat Greek Wedding? You know when the, the dad's like, give me a word, any word, and I show you how the root of that word is Greek. You guys know that part? Yeah, anyway, the root of the Greek word charisma is charis, which means grace. So the words there are actually the same words. God's gifts and God's grace are quite literally the same thing. So in my early honeymoon days as a baby believer, I understood this and I made it the reason that I got out of bed each day. And the purpose and drive behind every single thing that I did is using the gifts that I have received to serve others, being a faithful steward of the grace that God has generously shown me. And it was the way that I was able to take my gaze heavenward instead of inward, to fix my eyes on the eternal rather than the temporal. But, like I said, it doesn't end there. It never does with God. Because when we zoom out to look at this verse in the larger context, we see something even richer than we could imagine. Because this verse, in context of scripture, is found smack dab in the midst of suffering. Christian suffering, Christ's suffering, because Christ, in his grace, came down from heaven in the form of human flesh, his entire life given in service to others, a stewardship of his grace, of his gifts. And that grace was crucified on a blood-stained cross so that he could, for once and for all, declare victory over sin and death. And I feel like we take this reality for granted because if we really, truly, in our heart of hearts, believe that Christ modeled for us the ultimate picture of a life stewarding grace in selfless service to others, then what are we doing? We have no choice but to stand in the shadow of his grace and live free, living in such a way where we honor and glorify our heavenly father and not ourselves because it was always his gifts and his glory to begin with. So when I began to really believe that, everything for me changed. Everything. 
And so for me, 1 Peter 4.10 isn't just a life verse anymore. It is a mission statement. It is my call to action because if I'm not using the different gifts that I've received from God in service to others, even when I am suffering, even when it's hard, even when it might not make sense to the rest of the world, then I am being a poor steward and I'm going to have to give account for that because those gifts weren't given to me because they weren't mine to begin with. And so my prayer for each of you today is that you would walk out of this room boldly, freely, and humbly in the knowledge that God created you on purpose, with a purpose, for his purposes, and it's your job, it's my job to steward that purpose well. Thank you, guys. Hey, everybody. Hey, Generation Life Church. <laughs> my name is Kilberto, and this is my why. So for those that don't know, I am a pastor's kid. My dad's Pastor Keith. My mom is Katie, who's going to speak in a little. Um, pretty much my entire life, I've grown up in the church. All I've ever known is youth group, Bible study, um, going to church. That's just been everything in my whole life. So answering the question, what is my why, can sometimes be a little bit more difficult. You might think it'd be easier, but... I don't have a crazy story or a super hard experience I had to go through that led me to know God's love. Um, I've always known that God's loved me, but just like every one of us, I still have a reason why, why I follow God and why he's my savior. Um, the best thing that my parents could do for me is they never forced God into my life. They never said, all right, we're going to read the Bible now. We're going to worship now. We're going to do this. I wasn't, a, I wasn't a scheduled Christian. I wasn't pushed to do anything. What my parents did for me is they put me in environments. They put me in places where I was heavily influenced by God, and I saw what was going around me, and I wanted to tap into that as well. Um, that's through a lot of different ways. So one of the ways is a lot of times I have hard questions that I can always go to my dad with um, about God's nature, God's love, um, sometimes even God's existence. And, you know, he's always able to answer that for me. And so as a parent, you want to be able to, you know, give the – answers that your kids might have as questions. Um, every Sunday, we do a devotional. We still do that to this day. It started when we were younger kids. So what that looks like is when we were younger, we would tell a little Bible story. We would say a prayer together, and then we'd sing a little song. Um, it's a little different now. It's a little modified, but it's <laughs> we, we still sing a song sometimes, but <laughs> no, that's okay. <laughs> Jesus loves a little. <laughs> but anyways, um, even to this day, we still have our little Sunday deal we do with our family. My sister's in college, so we'll FaceTime her in. We'll kind of recap our week. We'll say a prayer. We'll talk about, you know, next steps going forward. Um, and then also I've always just been surrounded by you guys, men and women of God, powerful people in the church. And they've always been, you know, good examples. I can go to you guys. I know if I have a question that I might not even want to ask my parents, I can go to you guys first. Um, and that's always been really cool to have. Um, one of the best stories I have is actually I was probably either eight, nine or 10. It was our first year going to our summer camp. It's called uh, Camp Shiloh. Um, it was after a chapel we were having that night and we were all kind of circled up praying with our cabin. And I was praying with um, a very spiritually powerful man of God. His name is Brother Brent. Um, he laid his hands on me, and that was the first time I really felt the Holy Spirit. And sometimes you guys ever, like, you hear that voice in your head, and you think, well, that's probably not God. That's just me making it up. A lot of times that is the voice of God you're hearing. And I guess I kind of repressed that voice forever because I thought, nah, that's, you know, I'm just making that up. And I started to tap into that, and then I really started to understand um, what God was speaking to me. Um, so to any parents out there with kids or anybody with um, teens or if you just have an impact in the lives of youth in general, um, steer them towards God. Um, don't push God onto them, but put them in situations and environment where they can come to know God and develop their own personal relationship with him. Um, not having a crazy story or, a, you know, a big reason why I know I came to know God's love, you know, sometimes... It might not seem like a good testimony. It might not seem like, you know, you're able to really connect with others. But 
sometimes, you know, it's good for other Christians to hear that it can be done. And it's vital that, you know, we have examples of people who, you know, fought the good fight and sought out God their whole life. And they were able to um, keep it going. So I'm just going to leave you with 2 Timothy 4, 7 through 8. It says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Um, what is my why? I guess it would just be that I love God and I want to make him happy. Thank you. Awesome. Good morning, Jen family. My name is Charles Lopez, and this is my why. Um, so most of you may know me as a political candidate or uh, even as Pastor Keith and Katie's friends. We went to Bible college together. Um, but today, I do ask you that you guys just see me as a brother in Christ um, as I share from my heart. Um, as I prayed over this opportunity, I was reminded on who, what, and how I have maintained my relationship with Christ and why it means so much to me. Um, John 20, 28 to 30, NIV version reads, Thomas said to him, my Lord, my God. And then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. And Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. I can go on on that, but I'll keep going because I, I, I can preach on that one myself. But how many of us would say, man, if I knew what I know now, I would have done right. Right. But we do that because we have seen, right? But what does the word say? It goes back to saying, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. You see, while I grew up chewing on the pews of the church, uh, I still found myself on my own journey. We had doubt, sin, fear, abandonment, rejection. Over the years, I have seen God take me on the journey of getting to know him more. See, in my 20s, I went through stuff that I had to figure out, and I got to know him as my provider. In my 30s, I got to know him as my father. And now in my 40s, I'm learning to rely on him as my counselor. And I really, really hope that in my 50s, I get to be his friend. <laughs> um, but the journey began seeing how God provided for my family, how God opened doors. And the little everyday miracles compounded simply made me realize that God was in control this whole time. Seeing my mom's prayers come to fruition, seeing how God listened to our prayers and bringing them forth into, uh, into passing, there was no question growing up that there was a God, a real God, one that listens to our prayers. You see, in times of doubt or fear, and we had them, I'd be reminded of Matthew 6, 26 and 27. It says, look at the birds of the air. Do they not sow or reap or store away in barns? They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are they not much more valuable? Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? You see, it was my mom's journey that also inspired me. She came to the U.S. at 18 by herself, quite the daredevil in the family. She once told me that all she had was God and a desire to live a better life than the one she had in Guatemala. You see, her mom passed at a young age, and while her dad was super strict, as she arrived here, her father also passed. So her journey of hard work, service to the house of God, and her relationship with God showcased, that what, was, showcased what was possible with God and actually here in America. She began as a seamstress, and ultimately saw that cleaning houses and being a nanny paid off. She loved on her customers, so much so that they became family. And even today, we still receive presents from uh, her clients and uh, on all of our birthdays and Christmases. 
It was her walk with the Lord that showed me that even though my dad was an alcoholic and not home, she carried her cross every day in prayer and in showing him love, even if she felt he didn't deserve it. She took care of my dad when he got sick. And ultimately, my dad chose another life in Nicaragua and my mom was free. She was able to find love again at 60 and remarry. Her new husband, unfortunately, then became ill and was not able to love on her as she had hoped. But that did not deter her from loving on him. I saw her sacrifice to love again, her obedience to do so again, and her love for God overflowing again. But my mom's experiences with hers, along my own spiritual journey in life, I've had to come to terms with my own relationship with Christ. And this is where I wished I believed without seeing. I wish I had that blind faith, but I don't. I've seen God's goodness, love, grace, mercy, everyday miracles bestowed upon my life. And I simply can't just not return the love. But when I became a dad, that relationship with Christ became a little bit more real. To share God's title with my family and realize that I am synonymous with our Father in showing grace and mercy to our little ones, in loving out of sacrifice, in helping out our neighbor out of love and care. But also the miracle of life impacted me in a deep way. That somehow God, our God, the creator, created this whole science to bring life into the earth and yet how death is simply one breath away. So knowing I had something more beyond myself caused me to dive deeper than before. I want to be the best dad. I want to be the best husband. But over time, I have realized that if I focus on being the best disciple, these other things will actually come more naturally. And so the question stands as to why I follow Christ in the first place. Well, I revert to the beginning verse. Blessed are those that, not, that believe and have not seen, but man, I've seen. I've seen God's goodness, God's everyday miracles. I've seen firsthand healing, restoration, transformation, provision, protection, and how the promises in the word come to pass. So when we look at creation, the trees, the stars, the birds, the animals of the earth, and how God has created it all, there's no doubt he's real. There's no doubt he thinks I'm valuable and that he cares for me and my family like he cares for you and yours. When I, as creation, made a decision to follow Christ, he continued to show himself real. No doubt it hasn't been easy, the word promise, but the word doesn't promise us easy. The word promises that he will be with us that he would take care of us, and that he will use us as his vessel to spread the gospel throughout the earth, and that our cup will overflow. Through my journey of grief, loss, depression, he's turned that all into joy. He's turned my mess into a message and my test into a testimony. Let him be your why. Don't wait to see before you believe. Put your hope in Christ because he truly cares for you and you will begin to see. If you could just close your eyes real quick. In this moment of God's presence, just hear these words. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wrench like me, I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I didn't know I was going to have to come up after that. Whew. Got lost a little bit there. Thanks. So, my name's Katie. Hi. Um, and this is my why. And I want to say 
thank you. And it's so neat to see how God has woven all of our whys together, right? It's so cool. Like, I think we could have shared notes this morning. So <clears throat> my story started a lot sooner than I think I even realized, right? Like Charlie said, if you could go back and change things or if you knew now, then what you know now, right? Wasn't that Billy? Was that Billy Joel? I don't know who that was. Anyway, um, it wasn't until I was in Bible school with Charlie, probably in the same class, that I started to really know why. So um, my story is kind of like my son's, and yet we took very different paths, and I'll, I'll explain that. So um, I have a lot of whys, um, but I only have five to seven minutes, so I will do my best to honor that. Um, so I always joke around about being born at the altar, right? I was a pastor's kid. So the year I was born, actually 1980, my parents planted a church in a college town in Binghamton, New York. Um, so I don't have too many memories, obviously, of the church planting or else I don't know that Keith and I would have <laughs> taken it on, but I'm sure it was great, right? Because here we are. Um, so the first nine years of my life were very full, okay? Four kids in my family. We always had someone from the local SUNY, uh, State University of New York, uh, living in our home. One bathroom, right? And there were like seven of us usually. So um, it was exciting. Um, church, coffee houses. You remember coffee houses? Anybody? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Jackson. Uh, college students, of course. Um, Anytime there was a holiday, we had a house full of people. We didn't know them, but our doors were always open. So it was very busy. So four kids. Where am I at? Right in the middle, okay? Not the oldest. Not the youngest. I'm not the only girl. The oldest is my sister. I'm not the only boy. I have a brother, Mark, who's 16 months older than me. And I have a younger sister, Kristen. So I kind of had no place, right? And I felt that. I felt that growing up. Um, it was kind of just there. So in 1984, right, four years after um, my dad planted Resurrection Life Fellowship, um, he was diagnosed with brain cancer. Uh, four years later, came back with a vengeance, and he passed away two days after my mom's 33rd birthday, 10 days before my brother's 11th birthday, um, in our home at 38 years old. So, um, yeah, right? That's nine years, nine years so far. So what was my why in those nine years of not knowing much but a lot of trauma? It's just what we did. That was my why. It's what we did. It's what I had to do, right? Okay. <laughs> it gets better. <laughs> so fast forward to 1991, right? Woo, 90s. Lots of tears. I ran away a lot. I broke a lot of doors. I'm very accident prone to this day. It wasn't out of anger. I just very clumsy, okay? If you know me, you'll find that. I think I did a somersault in the mall, not on purpose one time with Keith. It was very embarrassing. We just played it off like I was supposed to do that. Um, <laughs> I wasn't. So my mom got remarried, right? We're in 1991. I'm 11 years old. Um, an amazing man. I know you've heard Keith talk about him. He called him Pop. Um, and his first wife actually died of cancer. And then my mom and uh, Nick Welch was his name, ended up getting married. And he loved me and my siblings like we were his own, right? No difference. So we moved to Tennessee for a couple years. He was an associate pastor. He traveled internationally. He was gone a lot. It was hard, right? We're trying to build this whole new life, this new family. It was a little chaotic. Um, and finally, uh, in 1993, he took the senior pastor job at a church in Merritt Island, Florida. So a lot of craziness, right? Those middle school years, like just a blur. When we were in Tennessee, church Sunday morning, church Sunday night, church Wednesday night, church Saturday night, and then I went to Christian school at the church. So that was it, right? So my why 
then again was just because it's what we did. My family was my one. I didn't really know still, right? I mean, I had accepted the Lord and got baptized and all that stuff, but I really didn't, didn't know my why. So in 1993, we moved to Florida where my dad was a senior pastor. Seven exciting years, right? 13 to 20, <laughs> a lot happened. Um, I started public school at 13, crazy. It was crazy, right? We had a great church. We had an amazing youth group, and we were always at summer camp, youth group, church, revivals, tent services, you name it, right? Church was my life. However, my why was because it's who I had to be. It had nothing to do with me or Jesus. It's just that's who I was supposed to be, okay? Um, side note, the pastor before we took over the church in Florida was asked to leave because of his children. So the pressure that we had was insane, okay? Um, I knew I was being watched like a microscope. So, and we were always reminded of that, okay? Those years were very rough. So when you hear my son Caleb say that we're not, like there's a reason why, you know, it's not like we want the kids to be wild and free, but we want them to know about Jesus and have a relationship with the Lord because they want it. Because I, same story, right? Pastor's kid, grew up in the church, not the same. It was not the same. Um, so those years were rough. I was in the middle, right? Odd man out. I didn't have a place in my family. I was not popular by any means. I was not, I never had brand name uh, Keds, right? In the 90s, Keds, bongo shorts, right? I mean, never, like Kmart all the way, very generic. It was, it was rough, T trust me, in public school. Um, I wasn't skinny. I wasn't really anything at all. Um, I found a lot of security because I knew I was being watched publicly in being sneaky, real sneaky. I was really good. Sunday morning, I was playing the flute. I was singing, right? But that wasn't my life in the week because I knew I was being watched. So what I did, I had to do in secret. Of course, in the words of my mother, Jesus loves you too much to let you get away with anything. And I swore I'd never, ever say that to my kids, but I, I have. I have. And, and it's true, right? So during my teen years, I found this scripture, right? So Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. I was like, yes. I'm good at this. I am a really good, I'm good on stage. I can smile, right? I'm very, I'm the welcoming committee to all the new boys at youth group, right? Yeah, that was me. I'm like, I can do this. I can delight in, in Jesus and in church. And that became my scripture. Of course, it was my interpretation. It wasn't the truth. So summer camp, 1997, where I met Keith Barreto. Um, the, yeah, summer camp right? Um, the youth pastor's wife asked me, she's like, so Katie, what's, what's your scripture? You know, what do you feel like, you know, God is, you know, speaking to you? And I'm like, Psalm 37, 4. And she's like, oh yeah, 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 that's great. She said, do you know that the word delight actually means to be pliable, to be flexible, to maybe not put your own wish list, like God's not a genie. My desires aren't what I've written, no, they're God-given, right? The desires of your heart. I was like, dang, I had a scripture. I was standing on this. I had my wish list. Not quite. So I found a lot of security in being sneaky. That was not good. Nope, not good. 1998, right? I go to Bible school where Charlie and I sang in the choir together. Day one, I had a boyfriend, because ring by spring or your money back. Have you ever heard that? Bible school students? <laughs> oh, it's 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 brutal. <laughs> it is brutal, right? I had a boyfriend, so I, my, my list was, I was getting there. Went through the motions, prayed, worshiped, chapel, sang in the choir, played flute, right? Ron Canoli, Ancient of Days. Come on. 
Listen to it. Ron Canoli, Ancient of Days. And you'll hear the flute solo, and everyone's going to want to play the flute. Trust me, okay? I might bring it out one day. Megan, is that allowed? No. <laughs> I got a thumbs up. Okay. <laughs> so I sat through all the classes. I passed some, probably most, most classes, right? It was Bible school. I had two jobs because I like to go spend my money. It was not great for me. Um, one day, sitting in a marriage in the family class, and, and his name was Brother Stacy Klein. And he was a great man. And he just went to be with the Lord, I think, this past year, right? 2021. He taught this marriage in the family class and it was great, you know, really broke down relationships and what a godly marriage looks like and what a godly family looks like. And so um, he was talking about relationships and, you know, what love is. And uh, I think it was like a testimony class where a bunch of, you know, girls and some guys were giving their testimony of how um, they would try to find these relationships and they would, you know, do whatever they had to do to get someone to tell them they loved them. And then they, they were trapped and then they realized that they had been used and, you know, they were like, that's not real love. And then they were trapped and some of it went bad and they were just hungry for what love was, right? Because they didn't have Jesus. Well, I kind of took a step back and I looked at my life and I said, I know what love is. I had an amazing dad, right, from birth who loved me, would do anything to still be here with me. And then God blessed my family with another dad who loved us like we were our, like we were his birth children. So I, I knew what love was. I knew Jesus loved me. I heard it my whole life. I knew it, right? It wasn't just things that, you know, I had in my head. I knew it. I knew Jesus was loved. So I had this, like, epiphany. I thought, wait a second. My goal in life was just to get someone to tell me they loved me, and then I was like, see ya, because I already had that, right? It's pretty messed up. Yeah, it's not good. But I was like, man, I know what love is. Why do I have such a hard time embracing God and what real love is? So I had, um, it was good, and I, I kind of, it was just this, this turning point in my life, right? Uh, it took me a little while, broke up with the boyfriend. I did get a ring, but I mailed it back to him, and, you know, it was all that good. When I came back from Bible school, Keith wouldn't talk to me, nothing to do with me at all, so it was kind of like just me and Jesus, right? Um, a few bumps along the way, but I continued to actually find my delight in him and actually understand what that meant. So for real this time, he became my why. God became my why. It was, it was, it was real. So 2001, newly married, right? Um, my dad, my stepdad, uh, was diagnosed with cancer shortly before Keith and I got married. And nine months into our marriage, he died. Like, what the heck? Right? But he was healed. Not the way we wanted. We prayed for healing, and God is sovereign. And my dad is healed and whole with my, my father, Ron. And they're dancing on the streets of heaven right? And they're having this amazing party forever and ever and ever in the actual presence of, of Jesus right at the throne, which will be there soon, right? So, I mean, when you see me in worship and you're like, man, Katie's really intense. Well, let me tell you, I picture worshiping with my dad, my stepdad, and we're all going to be there one day. So, I always think, you know, I kind of have a lot of excuses to why I don't need to follow Jesus because he let, right? Did he let me down? No. But eternity became my why, right? And my dad used to say all the time, live life in light of eternity. So it wasn't until I had experienced death and loss and hurt and pain that I realized my why is eternity, right? And I'm still not perfect by any means, by any means at all. But 
that is my why today and moving forward. So I want to invite the worship team back up because I'm going to wrap this up. But I'm going to give you um, just a few things um, because it's like, okay, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Well, what does that really mean? Right? What does it really mean to delight yourself in the Lord? Like, come to church. Like, what does it mean? Delight yourself in the Lord. How do, you, how do we do that? Right? In a tangible world, an intangible God, how do, we, how do we make this connection? So, number one, um, and I, oh good, it's on screen. Delight in his excellencies. Okay, what does that mean? And Charlie touched on this, too, a little bit, which is why I'm like, you know, it's always good to have some confirmation when, you know, you say something. You're like, okay, well, someone else already said it. <laughs> everything he created, everything wonderful, everything about him is the answer to your longings. So you will know him by creation. Look around. Look at this beautiful fall we're having, right? Look at the leaves, how they change. Everything that we see is the answer to your longings. Discover what the Bible reveals about his character, and you cannot help but delight in his excellence. So the more you get to know him, the more you're going to want to know him. So it's this eternal longing of knowing who he is. Hard times, sickness, death, he'll be there. Number two, delight in his presence. So this is something... You can do at home, church, in your car, right? The presence of God is something that you don't have to just come to a place to find. You can find that in the secret place. So James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. That's prayer, meditating on scripture, hearing him speak through his word, and he's always ready to answer you, right? Number three, delight in his help. Well, what does that mean? Okay, Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Right? So it's God who does it. It's not us. And Philippians 1.6, He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. God started that work. It's not something that we can do. It's God. God started it. We just have to kind of jump on board, right, and go with it. <laughs> we need to go. Go with God. Come on out. Come on out, guys. I want, I want this worship to start, right? <laughs> I love worship. He is faithful to complete the work that he began in you. If you don't know how to find delight in his help, ask him ask, right? He left here the Holy Spirit to be our counselor. Ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Just ask. I promise you, he will. He will fill you. He will help you. He'll be that voice in your head. Maybe he'll be a loud voice, right? Maybe it'll be still, small, and quiet. Thank you, Jesus. James 4.2 says, you have not because you ask not. <laughs> so ask. Number four, delight in his love for you. Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his love for us that while we were yet sinners, we are, while we are still in sin, Christ died for us. Ephesians 3.18-20 says, we cannot compare his love for us. It is immeasurably more than we could ever ask for or imagine right? Haha. <laughs> the width and length and depth and height, we can't imagine. That's good. Immeasurable. And number five is delight in his mercy and his compassion. Oh, thank God. Lamentations 3.22 says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness, O God. Every morning, his mercies are new. Every single morning. So the final quote today is from A.W. Tozer. 
And it says, we pursue God because and only because he has first put an urge within us that spurs us to pursue. And when the Holy Spirit shows us God as he is, we admire him to the point of wonder and delight. I'm going to read it again. So we pursue God because and only because he first put an urge within us that spurs us to pursue. And when the Holy Spirit shows us God as he is, we admire him to the point of wonder and delight. It's not, that's kind of like, you got to read that a few times. But really, the reason is because he first put that in us, that hunger. So I pray today that we would be a church for generations to come who find such delight in the Lord that nothing this world has to offer would tempt us otherwise. Amen? So we're singing this song this morning. So stand up and we're going to worship. And I'm telling you, you heard the stories of just challenges that we probably put on ourselves, right? Maybe God wouldn't want us, but he does. God wants us, and he wants us to find our delight in him this morning. So hopefully you all know this song, but if you don't, listen to the words and just know that this is God speaking to you and how much he wants you. So thanks, guys. Um, love you, and uh, let's worship together.